It's so good to uh, see all of you here. Uh, thank you so much. This is actually the final installment of SIBKL's vision casting. So two weeks ago, you heard Pastor Chiu in Taking Frontiers. That is a theme of 2023 for SIBKL. So why don't we all say together, Taking Frontiers. One, two, three. All right, so Taking Frontiers. All right, so we're going to take the frontiers. You're going to grab the frontiers. You're going to seize the frontiers. Take the frontiers, okay? And then uh, last week, we heard Pastor Lee Chiu preach about the frontiers of uh, our prayer and the frontiers of word. Uh, that's very important. But today, uh, in the final installment, um, um, as Pastor Chu just said to me, we want to put some teeth, all right, to the frontiers, all right? Put some teeth to it. So the title of my sermon today is Post-Pandemic Church, The Next Frontier. Um, I merged two of my sermons together. So post-pandemic church is one of the things that, you know, we have to understand because we are all part of this post-pandemic church. I don't think there's ever a time on history on anybody of our lives in our waking moment lives that we are experience a post-pandemic church, right? Um, even uh, that time, H1N1, it wasn't really a pandemic across the globe. So we are part of the post-pandemic church, and what does that mean for us? Then I want to talk about the two frontiers that SIBKL, that God gave a very specific vision to SIBKL to anchor, all right? Post-pandemic church, the next uh, frontier. All right, I, in case you missed the announcement, I thought to remind all of us that Next week is Chinese New Year. All right, I need not remind all of you, we're Malaysians, right? We all know. The reason why we know is we're monitoring traffic. Uh, when is the best day to drive out or drive in or stay or come back, whatever it is. But next week, Chinese New Year, there will be no on-site on services, okay? So in case you, you missed it, there will only be online service, one online service next week, which is on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. So on the first day of Chinese New Year, when you are tempted to turn on your, as Pastor Lindy calls it, the Tong Tong Chiang music, all right, you're very tempted. It's, I know once a year you get the opportunity to play the Tong Tong Chiang music, all right? Uh, but for this Chinese New Year on day one, turn on uh, SIBKL uh, service and let Pastor Gilbert speak life into your day one of the Chinese New Year. All right, Pastor Gilbert's preaching. He will speak life into your homes uh, day one of Chinese New Year, and I believe it's going to be good. It's a good uh, uh, message. Okay, um, having said that, I want to talk about the post-pandemic church. You see, um, this is the post-pandemic church. Uh, this was taken during Christmas. Uh, it, was a, it was a fantastic Christmas that we had last year. But in the post-pandemic church, there are so many things that the world have changed that the church needs to change with it, right? It's so many things in our lives that have changed that we have to change with it, for example. And I don't want to talk about everything. I just want to talk about these three big, big things that, that the world has changed, and I believe it will change forevermore, right? Education is the number one big thing. In education, it used to be on-site schools, on-site universities, on-site campuses, right? But now, I believe even as young as three years old, everybody knows what it means to have online school, which means at the age of three years old, they already know how to use a tablet or a phone or computers. Now, I must admit, I only came online, all right? I was in the dark ages for 18 years of my life. All right, then I came online at the age of 18, or was it 17, or around there, all right? So I was in the dark ages. So I only came online, I discovered the world of internet, and at, at that time, the modem had to make a noise before you could connect online, all right? And I'm not gonna make that noise for you, I can't mimic that noise, but it had to make a noise. The noise is, is, is crucial to announce to the whole house that you're connecting now to the internet, all right? It's just a crucial piece of noise. If you don't know what I'm talking about, congratulations, you're young. Okay? <laughs> Not like me, all right? Um, but yes, even my son 
at three years old have online school during the MCO, all right? What the online school means for him, I don't know. I don't know if he learned anything. I don't know. I, all I know about his online school is the Lord bless the teachers who tries to keep 12 three-year-olds on the tablet and their attention for at least one or two hours. God, God bless all you teachers, man, I tell you. Um, but yes, everything has changed, especially for campus and universities. I was talking to some students, right? Going to, going to university, the, the main reason is to be with friends, is to be you know, in the dorms and in the classrooms and to be with friends and to hang out and go to this society and to make yourself so busy that you only sleep four hours a night. That is the reason why you go to university. But online university, you know, you miss all those experiences, right? And then we've got to, you know, the economy is also affected. Every business now has gone online. If you were in the dark ages like me, 17 years, you have gone online. You need a website now. You need a social media page. You need to have at least um, a telegram. Even the hawker store during MCO, right? They'll put their phone number there. Join my telegram channel to order your food and then you come and collect. Even the hawker stores have gone online, right? So everything has gone online in this economy. And of course, in every career now, it's whether you have got the privilege to work from home or you have the, the not-so-great privilege to work in the office. And the debate between work from home and office has not stopped from last year until this year, right? So everything has, has gone online in our economy. And the last thing is everything from home. What it means for our post-pandemic church is everything from home. And I truly, truly, truly believe that all Christians across the world, especially Asians, we, in the last two and a half years, we have learned to channel our inner Michelle Yeoh. Because we are everywhere, and we do everything all at once, <laughs> right? We do, all, we do church in, in one screen on the TV, and then we do work on, the, on our laptops. Then we've got social media on our phones. Then our children is there. Then we're trying to cook at the same time. And then as, you know, we're trying to hear the sermon at the same time. At the same time, we're trying to do our business online. We think we're Michelle Yeoh. We want to be everywhere and do everything all at one time, right? And I think this, this type of um, habit, has sort of crept into the, the church a little bit. So the most pertinent question that I've been asked in the last three years is this question. Why church? A lot of people have been asking, and I don't know whether you have been asking, why church? Why do we do church? What is the relevance of church in the digital era? What is the relevance of church in our economy now? What is the relevance of church when we can watch church from home? What is the relevance of church when we can pray at home? We don't have to come for corporate prayers anymore. What is church? Why do we still need to do church? That is a very important question. Because you, we, we as Christians, we should not come to church because it's a to-do list. It's a checklist. That's a very good habit to have. But all of us need to know the why we do church. And today, I want to tell you the why. So if any time in the future, anybody asks you a why, you can always quote this why and you can own the why for yourself because it's not my words that give you the why. It is God's words. And I, I was reflecting on the book of Ephesians and I think this is a great why we still do church. Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 10 to 11, it says, His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, I really, really love this verse. Why do we do church? This is literally the reason why we do church. Because God says, through the church. It's very important here. It's through the church. He didn't say through your business. 
It's not through your homes even. It's even not even through your individual quiet time. It's not through your tablets and your screens. It is through the church. And God has established that He will use His church in the course of all human history. But to do what? The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly realms. And I think this is a very important why we do church. Because the manifold wisdom of the Most High, the God who is beyond time, the God who is at the beginning, the God who breathed life into us, He is willing, He is more than willing to give His manifold wisdom to you and I for the rulers and the authorities of all the earth. So I googled, well, I searched up the theological concordance for the word manifold and wisdom. What does it mean? I didn't put, I put wisdom, as you can see, that's the definition of wisdom, but I couldn't find manifold because manifold in the concordance just means a lot, a great many, a lot. So I tell you what, this is my definition. I didn't prepare the first service, but it's, it's the first service, but it's a lame joke, so you must laugh. You must laugh, all right? The manifold wisdom, and you must always remember this, is you see, when we were young, like I have, a, I have two sons, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. You see, their skin, especially their butts, is smooth like butter. It's nice, all right? When you pinch it, it immediately goes back to its original position, all right? It's a two-year-old, all right? I mean, let, let your mind wander for a while. But it's okay, it's a two-year-old, he's a baby, all right? Now, as we grow older, for me, I look at him and I go, I wish, Daddy always wish he can have your skin. Your skin looks amazing because when we grow old, there is more folds. Is that okay? As we grow older, there is more folds. You can't run away from this, all right? You can always try to use plastic surgery, but like it or not, each one of us, there will be many folds as we grow older. And God is a God who is beyond time. Is God older than you? Yes. Is God at the beginning of time? Yes. So he would have the most folds. All right? This is how you imagine. This is how I imagine my Father in heaven. You, Father God, you have many, many, many folds of wisdom. So he's, okay, let's not draw this God of, of folds. But yes, he's got many folds. And in between the folds of his skin, there is wisdom that oozes out. All right? The oil of wisdom, the oil of anointing flows from the many folds of the Lord God Almighty. All right? And in this wisdom, God says, What is wisdom? intelligence, knowledge, science. It's in the concordance, which means that this definition exists 2,000 years ago. Science is the wisdom of God. Learning, now this is important, skill in management. It is not just management of business or management of the government. It's just literally skill in management, which means the wisdom of God will give you skills in managing your family, Managing your time, managing your money, managing your company, managing your careers, managing everything. God says, if I give you that wisdom, you would have the skills to manage things. Don't we want the wisdom of God? Don't we always want the alarm and the Sophia of God, right? The impartation of truth, not any truth, but the God truth. Now, this is important. The practice of godly and upright living. You know, it goes to show, if you don't have the wisdom of God, you cannot practice godly and upright living. You can't. You don't have that wisdom of God. So you must need that wisdom of God in order to practice godly and upright living. And the last one is important, the formation of governments. God will give you the wisdom on how to pray for the formation of governments. So sometimes you ask, why do we pray so much for the government? Why? This is why. God will give us the manifold wisdom on how to pray for the formation of government. Now, when you know this Ephesians chapter 3, now I ask you, do you know why you are part of this church? 
Do you know why we still do church? Do you know why we're still doing one service, two service, three service? We still have prayer altars. We still have cell groups. We still have ministries to be part of because God has promised in the Word of God that He will give you His manifold wisdom when you are part of His church. Amen? Amen? Is this why we do church? You know, now that we know why we do church, we must then ask, what is God's two very specific vision for SIBKL in 2023 spilling over to 2024? And I've got two frontiers that I want to cover today. So I want you to journey with me because I do have quite a lot to say and I've cut down quite a bit because I can't say them all. The first frontier is a digital frontier. The second frontier is the next-gen frontiers. Now, these are two very, very, very important frontiers that God has laid in our hearts for this year and next year. And I first want to cover the digital frontier. As I said just now, everything has gone online. Everything. It's hardly something that you can't find that you can't go online. And after the first service yesterday, somebody came up to me and says, uh, uh, you know, Pastor, everything has gone online, but the survey has shown there's only one job in the world that no matter how amazing online can be, this job will always be offline. Can you guess what it is? I wanted to say pastor. But that's not the pastor, right? It's actually, a, a, well, I, I just found out, it's a preschool teacher. And then I said, oh, that makes sense. Because no online robot can ever control my three-year-old. All right, that makes a lot of sense. All right, you need an actual human being to control my three-year-old. I guarantee you that. No robot, he will bully the robot before the bully controls, the robot controls him. So that's the only job that maybe in the future cannot go online. So in the digital frontier, before I go on uh, in the negative effects and what the effects of this digital space have influenced the church, I must also caveat by saying I'm not against the digital space. I'm not against it. I'm actually a big proponent of the digital space. I really love my internet. Uh, I really love my computer. I really love... Hello, test. Okay. I really love my internet. Like for me, the moment my internet lags... It's when you will see the most ungodly Pastor Isaac Ling you have ever seen. The most impatient. I guarantee you, right? My son can cry the whole day. I'll be okay, you know. But when the internet starts lagging, when I open my page, or worse still, when I want to send a WhatsApp message and there is no tick, and there's just a time clock there, I tell you, the patience within me, I pray for the patience of God to grip my heart because I go, what in the world is going on? You know, I'm living in 2023. No longer do I need the modem that cries before the internet is on, right? So that's me. I love the digital space. You know, I'm always a proponent. But with the digital space, always, always come something that is not so desirable. And I think that we need to be aware of these things that have crept into the church and crept into our lives without even us realizing and noticing it. We have to be aware. And I just, there's so many things that happen in the digital frontier, but I only want to highlight a few. Like, for example, there are a few important things. Like, do you know cyberbullying has increased at least 300% in the last three years, which means that people are bullied online? Do you know that even um, just no November, or is it December last year, the court case and the lawsuit in America was just settled because a young girl who, had, who, who was going through depression had suicidal thoughts. And every time she opened the social media, uh, because of the algorithm of the social media, every post she was receiving is about suicide, about bullying her. Every post that she's seeing is that how good it is to relieve yourself from this world. And then she finally committed the act. And then the parents decided to sue. 
Because the parents said, if, if it weren't for this device, she would not have been influenced this way. Why couldn't social media tell my child how beautiful she is? Why couldn't social media tell her that she's got a full life? Why does social media always must tell her the negative things of life till she gets even more depressed? And this is a true story. And I think the parents won the case and they got uh, compensation. So at the end of the day, we need to be aware because it is your child, it is your sons and your daughters or your grandsons and your daughters that are always going to be influenced by this digital space, whether we are aware of it or not. Cyberbullying is huge and big. There's online game, ga gaming, there's also online gambling, which I didn't put down. Uh, there's so many things there. Virtual reality is beginning to become a reality in our lives. Do you know that Facebook is no longer called Facebook? It's called Meta because they want to do virtual reality glasses, which means that the future of Facebook is that everybody tunes in into the virtual reality of, of Meta, the Metaverse, and then so on and so forth. But I want to highlight these three. The first word is on my top left, the word revere. The word revere is a good word. I revere the Lord God Almighty. I revere Him. I fear Him. I worship Him. But a lot of times, unknowingly, we always, always revere the things that we are exposed to the most. I praise it again. We revere the things that we allow to speak into our lives the most. That is what we revere. You see, you must take a look at your life. What are the things that you have allowed to speak into your life the most? Right? The most followed Instagram uh, influencer is Cristiano Ronaldo with 250 million followers. So if you're one of the 250 million followers, then every day you're seeing a feed by Cristiano Ronaldo, then whatever he says is influencing your life more than whatever the Bible says. Am I not right? I mean, is that not logical, right? Whatever your boss say to you every day will influence you more than whether you're consuming the Bible or not. And without, just very subtly, we don't realize that we are revering the people that are influencing us online. And we want to be like them. We want to dress like them. We want to talk like them. We want to look like them. And for the younger generation, I know, we want to be influencers like them because it looks like an easy life. I can just stream something on YouTube and then I get one or two million dollars. I can just have a good, oh, it's a good life. I like that life. I just go online and then uh, 200,000 people just like my posts. They like what I have to say. Oh, I'm famous, I'm popular. But do you know that in, in, in the Christian lingo, there is a huge difference between popularity and being an influencer. It's a huge difference. You can be very, very popular, but it doesn't mean that you are an influencer for the things of God. It does not mean. So you can also be a very popular Christian. You're very well liked. Everybody loves you, but it does not mean that you are a godly influencer in your circles. It really does not mean. So we need to take a look at our lives. Are we revering the right or the wrong things? Sexuality. Okay, I want to really want to move on. But sexuality is so huge in the digital space. Do you know that it would, I, was, I was exposed to the word sexuality when I was, I think I was only 24. By that time, I would like to think that I'm a little bit more rooted in my identity to understand what sexuality means. But I want you to imagine my three or four-year-old son taking up the phone one day, strolling through something, coming across accidentally a post talking about sexuality, and he has no idea. He does not understand God made us male and female. He does not know yet. He's three years old and he's exposed. And do you know that the world is exposing us to all these things at a younger and a younger and a younger age? You would find the theme of sexuality in every, almost every TV series now. 
Every TV series, if you have six episodes, at least one episode must cover this topic, very subtly. You are now finding it creep into your movies now. And in the movies, you will see this little thing happened, that little thing happened. It's very subtle, but it's there. And that's how the digital world slowly influences us. So I want to ask you, who is the influencer in your life? Is it the world or is it Jesus? You must ask. And the last one, ChatGPT. If you don't know what ChatGPT is, that's okay. ChatGPT is an AI program that is designed to answer any question you want. So it pulls information from the trillions and gazillions of data that exists in the world out there, and it will answer any question you want. So if you're a campus student, you want to know how to write your essay, just ask ChatGPT and you would write a 5,000 thesis for you. If you want to know how to invest in a stock market, just ask ChatGPT and it will give you advice. If you want to know how to understand the book of Ephesians, just ask ChatGPT and ChatGPT will tell you five points about the book of Ephesians. You can ask ChatGPT anything in the world and it will tell you. It is so good that so many tech companies, even Google, has issued a red alert saying that ChatGPT is, a, uh, 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 is hostile to, to Google search. ChatGPT and AI is the way of the future. But I tell you something. How can the church, or I ask you something, how can we, if you understand the severity and the urgency of the digital world out there and what the future holds, maybe not for you and me, but maybe for my children, what does the future hold for my children? Then we must ask, what can the church do to stem the influence of the digital space onto our lives. What can the church do? Is this not an important frontier? Even the Pope two days ago said, the Vatican is going digital. Even the Pope. So how, what can we do to safeguard? What should we do? Should we all delete our Instagram? That's one way. But God called us to be of the world, not in the world. So how can we delete our Instagram? What should we do? Should we always go on Instagram and every day post, you know, Genesis 1-1, Genesis 1-1, all right? Should we do that? Okay, that's all right. That's one way to do it. That's not too bad. But I tell you, after two years of asking, I truly believe that the answer of what the church and how the church can combat this frontier lies in the book of Ephesians and, again, many other books out there. I want to read it for you. Ephesians chapter 3, 16 to 19. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, and high, and how deep is your love for Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What is Ephesians 3, the last portion of Ephesians 3, trying to tell us? Ephesians 3, it's all about my identity in Christ Jesus. This whole chapter is who I am in Christ Jesus. You see, the weapons of our warfare should never be the weapons of darkness. The weapons of our warfare should always be the Word of God and the prayers of our lips. This is the weapons of our warfare, and I believe Jesus has given us the weapon all the way back then, all the way from the beginning of time. You see, let me just unpackage this in three minutes for all of us, just a little bit, all right? I pray that out of His glorious riches, what is glorious riches to all of you? When we hear the word riches, we think gold, silver, and myrrh, and frankincense, and we think ringgit, and dollar, and pound. That's what we think, riches. But I tell you, this word riches also means that God is the God of time. So if you have lost three years of your life because of COVID, God can redeem the time for you because He's the God of 
time. He has the riches of time to be able to redeem what you've lost in three years. He can redeem it for you in three months. God is the God of reconciliation and forgiveness. That is His riches. So if you have a broken relationship, broken family, if you have broken whatever it may be, or broken, God says, in my glorious riches, I will strengthen you. I can redeem your relationship. I can reconcile your family. I can because I am a God with the glorious riches. Because He, with His glorious riches, He wants to strengthen you in your inner being. Check it out. He doesn't want to strengthen you in your outer being. He doesn't want to give you just a six-pack. He doesn't want to just give you a makeover, you know, you know, beauty makeover. You know, He doesn't want to make you look good just fashion alone. But He wants to strengthen you where? in your inner being so that you are rooted and established in the love of God. That is the language of identity. You are rooted and established in the love of God. You are not rooted and established in what the influencers say on social media, but in the love of God. Let me move on. One last point. And to know that this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you know the extent of what this verse means? It means that we can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you think that God is a God of power? Yes. Then you have to be filled with the full measure of the fullness of God in His power. He is a God of reconciliation. Is it hard to forgive someone? You are filled with the full measure of God, which means that you can forgive. You can have the full joy of the Lord. You can have the full confidence of the Lord. You can have the full XYZ of the Lord because God has already said He wants to fill you to the full measure of all the fullness of God. So I want to say, in order to combat the digital frontier, the key word here is not to fight fire with fire, but the key word here is to know who you belong to and who is your God. Identity. Once I know who I am in Christ Jesus, anything anybody want to say to me on social media, I will not be influenced. I'll give you for example, all right? Let me just, I don't know if this will shock you, but I just want to give it. You know, in the last two years, it's really, really, the word identify with is one of the top 20 search words in Google. Identify with. Who do you identify with? Or what's worse, what do you identify with? Because in the terms of sexuality, now in this modern world, so-called, this enlightened world, we can identify as anything. I can identify as a girl. I can identify as a cupboard. I can identify as whatever I want to, I can identify with. And the scariest thing in the last one year is that human beings can identify and choose to identify as an animal. Do you know? You don't know? Now you know. It's scary what our children will be exposed to in the future. So I was just scrolling through social media just three nights ago, and something popped up on my feed, whereas this couple said they'd identified as a puppy. And I go, I don't even, I can't even brain what that means. I can't brain what that means because I know who I am. But I want you to imagine, what if your seven-year-old child accidentally scroll, come across that feed, don't know what it means, but then is influenced by that, just that 30 seconds, influenced by it, and then from then on, believes that he or she can identify as an animal. How scary would that be for our future? See the difference between me and a seven-year-old child is that I am 38, 
I got 38 years of knowing who I am in Jesus Christ. I am rooted, I truly, I hope I believe, I am rooted and established that my identity is male, full stop. There is no dot, dot, dot. I am male, full stop. My identity is that I have born with the image of Christ within me. The Ruach and the breath of God lives within me. That is my identity. I know that. But a seven-year-old might not, right? That's why we need to, the, the, the way to fight this digital frontier is to train our generations, not, not just the next gen, but all generations, that our identity, our worth, is in Christ Jesus. That's why you hear last week and last, last week and all the weeks in SIBKL, what is one of our frontier? It would always be word, prayer, word, prayer. It will not change. Why? Because the word of God and the prayer of God will root you and establish you in the love of God. That's why prayer altars is so important. That's why cell groups is so important. That's why our Bible reading plan is so important because we need to know the word of God in order to counter the influence of the world out there. So identity is a very, a very, very important key in order for us to know how can we combat the digital space. Amen, church? Amen. With that, I want to open up a call. See, if you feel this call, especially if you're the next gen, especially if you are the 35 and below, especially. But if you're older, that's fine. I want to make this call. And this is a call in SIBKL. See, if you're studying or working in these, these areas, PR, creatively, you're in media, you're in comms, you're a video editor, you're in social media, you're a producer, you're a director, you're a hold a camera, whatever it may be, you're in the media space. Can we call? Because we truly believe in SIBKL that the digital frontier is a spiritual territory, a spiritual mountain that we want to conquer. That we will say to the mountain, get low, and the mountain will get low. And we need these creative people, we're calling it the media think, think tank, in order to come together to brainstorm on how the church how ourselves, how our ministries, how our homes can use the digital space for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? So I want to call, please take a picture. If you know anybody, any Christians in this space, in their church, you, maybe your son or daughter, you want to be a part of this, there will be a vision casting for this once we collated all the names after Chinese New Year. And then we will start brainstorming of how we can use the digital space. So that's the chat group. If you scan the QR, you will, you will immediately go into a Telegram chat group. It already exists with people in it. Amen, church? One day, I would love to hear testimonies. I was scrolling on social media, but instead of hearing how difficult and how evil the world is, now I finally found a post that says, The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He, make, he leadeth me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. And from that day onward, my depression lift. Wow, that's a powerful testimony. Don't you think? I really want that for SIBKL. And I hope we all want that too. I hope we want that too. Amen? For all our lives. Okay. That's the digital frontier. But we've got a very important frontier. It's equally important, if not more important, the next-gen frontier. See, I want to caveat when I say the next-gen frontier, because initially I wanted to call it the generations frontier, because at the end of the day, my heart is always for all generations. But I tell you why we in SIBKL call it the next-gen frontier. I tell you what is not. This frontier is inclusive, not exclusive. Can I just put it to you? When we call next-gen, if, you if your age group does not fall in the next-gen category, it does not mean you are excluded. 
It does not mean we've forgotten you. It does not mean that you're cast aside. It really does not mean that. This is a generation frontier with the focus of the next gen. It's a generational where everybody needs to come together as one in order to pray and prophesy into our next gen. That is what this frontier is all about. It's just the focus that you will be focusing on the next gen. But I tell you why it's so important to focus on the next gen instead of uh, 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 older gen. Uh, let's put it that way. Or uh, uh, I'll tell you why. Because in the last two years, what has convinced me really greatly is that the older gen of maybe 50 and above, in my opinion, very humbly, you and your faith are fine. Let's put it that way. I truly believe that I was talking to a gentleman, a gentleman who is about 65 years old. The gentleman, I said, gentleman, when you know that when the, the doors first opened in MCO, we had the tickets, remember? And then we had to scan the temperature when we came in. And uh, it was the first few uh, weekends when it opened. I saw a gentleman that's 65. I said, wow, uncle, you're here. Thank you so much for being here. You know, you encouraged me because, you know, that time was, well, COVID was, Omicron was at the height and everything. Well, thank you, uncle, for being here. And I asked, uncle, can I ask you? Why are you here? You know, uh, 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 why do you think you come? And he tell me this. He says, well, he called me young man, lah, huh? okay, which is true, it's fine, it's, it's good, young man. He says, young man, uncle has been through two financial depressions in the world. Uncle has been through H1N1, huh? Uncle has been through, you know, my business collapsed one time and then now I am got back up onto my feet. Uncle has been through all the stages of that your, your child is still young. Uncle has been through all the stages. Now my son's at university and working already. I've been through that. My house almost foreclosed. But then God pulled through for me. I've been through the financial depression. I've been through the Great Depression. Okay, he's not that old. And I've been through, you know, May 13. I've been through so much. These wars. I've been through the Vietnam War, Gulf War, Iran War, Afghanistan War. Ayah. Oh, you generation, only Russia, Ukraine already want to cry so much. Ah, I've been through all the wars. All the wars. I says, COVID is another thing that just happened. But I, so that, to me, you know what that spells? That the older generation, your faith is secure. You're fine. You're fine. But for me, it's the next gen that I'm worried about, I'm concerned about. Why? Because this pandemic, especially the younger ones, the youth and the campus, this is the first global catastrophe that they're facing in their entire life. I want you to remember that. This not, may not be mine because I went through the, 80, the 80s financial crisis. I understand what it did to my family. But for them, this is the first global catastrophe. And if they do not come out of this first global catastrophe, they don't come out of the post-pandemic world stronger, better, more equipped, then I'm worried for the future of the church. That's why this is a generational frontier with the focus on the next gen. Because this is very crucial that the next gen catch catch what it means, why church is so important, what it means to have the presence of God, what it means that our faith is strong and nothing can move me. Nothing can move me. No influencer can move me. No wars out there can move me. No famine can move me. Nothing can move me because my two feet is standing on the solid rock and firm foundation that is Jesus Christ. Do we not think that our next gen is important? We do and we have to own it together. But where did I pull this from? You see, I read from Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3 is all about our worth, our identity as sons and daughters of the Most High. Then it goes to Ephesians 4. And then Ephesians 4 is where we, the next gen, need to understand. And this is my prayer now for SIBKL. As a prisoner for the Lord, then 
I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, not some effort, not one effort, not a little bit of effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father. Be, live a life that is worthy of the calling you have received. You see, the next gen, it's imperative that the next gen understand that we are all called by the Most High. We are not called by Instagram to be influencers. We are not called by Google to be the next chat GPT. We are not called by the world to be XYZ. We are called by who? The Most High, the one who gave life, the one who knows it all. We are called by the Most High to do what? To live a life that is worthy, worthy. Now that's a crucial word. You cannot live a life that is worthy until you know your worth. You need to know your worth before you live a life that is worthy of the calling. And that's why it is so, so, so important for SIBKL to focus and to build the spirituality of our generations, the next gen. See, I, I, I wrote this myself that there must be an urgency for our spirituality. There must be an urgency. Now, this is not just the next gen anymore. This is all generations. We must always carry an urgency for our spirituality because we do not know what the future holds. We don't. We don't know what is coming in 2023. I don't. I really don't. But what we do know is the weapons of our warfare. What we do know is who we are in Jesus Christ. That come what may, hell or high water, I will be able to withstand the winds and the waves because I know to whom I belong in. There must be an urgency for our spirituality. And I didn't put this in a slide, but if I can go one step further, my spirituality is my responsibility. My spirituality is my responsibility. That's, I cast a vision for YAs for the last four years. My spirituality is not your responsibility. It's not Pastor Isaac's responsibility. It's certainly not your mother and father's responsibility. It is your responsibility as adults. Only I can choose to be close to God. Only I can choose to surrender and abide in our Lord Jesus Christ. Only me. Who can force me? Nobody can force me. When I go and see Jesus again, and it's only me that Jesus will ask. There will, there will be, I guarantee you, there is no reference in your application to heaven, all right? If you do not believe my testimony, please call my mother, all right? There's no reference in your application to heaven, all right? That part is only for our worldly jobs. But in heaven, there's only one person who is responsible, only one person who is accountable. That is you, yourself, and yourself. My spirituality is my responsibility. So here in SIBKL, there is a call. You see, we as a leadership, we feel this urgency for the spirituality of our next gen. Our next gen, officially in our church, is zero to 35 years old. That is our next gen, all right? If you are 36, you can choose, okay? <laughs> you identify as what, huh? Uh, next gen, now gen, previous gen, I don't know. You choose your identification, all right? But roughly there, like 30 to 35 to 40, if we want to stretch it, or 25. Basically, 35 and below, they are our next gen. And when we talk about next gen, I'm not just referring to the young adults. They are my closest to my heart, the young adults. I'm also referring to the campus. They're also close to my heart, but not just the campus. The youth, 
and the children are included in the next gen as well. We cannot forget them because they will be the next campus. They will be the next young adults. Then they will be the next adults in this church. Am I not right? Your sons and your daughters. So in SIBKL, we've, um, we've planned and we sought the Lord and I, we have a few things uh, 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 in store. So there's only two events that I want to launch today and I want to explain a little bit before the official launch later. So in December this year, because this is such an important frontier, we're holding a children's rally in December. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is exciting. This is, a, I think it's the first time huh, SIBKL is doing a children's rally. It's going to be so exciting. I want to cast a vision what this children's rally is all about so that we all get excited about this. Because I tell you what it is not. Huh? It is not only about the children. It is about the whole church. But why? Because in December, we will give you the dates in the official launch. In December, I want us all to imagine that this whole level five floor is filled with children from the age of four to 12 years old. Filled, they're sitting on the chairs. I want you to imagine, just now I saw Nat, that little girl, that four-year-old girl, worshiping God. I, oh man, I, I want 1,000 of Nat raising their hands in worship. Your sons, your grandsons, and your granddaughters will be invited. They will be here. And I want, they, I don't know who's going to preach, I don't know who's going to do the worship, but it matters not because we're going to bring the presence of God down into this sanctuary. They're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're going to be baptized in fire. And I tell you, if Jesus says, let the little children come to me, who are we to say No we should also say, let the little children experience the presence of God. They're going to be baptized. They're going to know what it means to speak in tongues. They're going to know what it means to pray for healing for another person. They're going to know what that means. But I tell you why this is not just a children thing. Because everybody must get involved. All parents must get involved. All older generations must keep praying for the next generation. I tell you why. Because I guarantee you, when the Holy Spirit falls upon our children's generation and they start speaking in tongues, and we as parents and older generation, we are blur. We don't know how to speak in tongues. We go, oh, what is this? Huh? What is this movement? How can it be? It can't be. We can, we can only lead them to where we have gone before right, as parents. We can only lead them because we want that for them because we have experienced it ourselves. That's why the whole 2023, prayer altars will be still, will be always open. Cells will always be there. We're going to read our Bibles. We're going to do it together as a church because we as every generation need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every generation needs to know what it means to pray in tongues for three hours and you think, oh, time has flown by. I thought it was three minutes, for example, right? We need to be filled so that when we pray for the children, we pray for them from a spirit of, oh, I love you. I want to see you rise up to be the best version of yourself. You have a future that no one can steal. God has a good plan for you. We want to bless our children. Amen? So in the children's rally, even though the children are down here, adults and parents, you have a place up high on the sixth floor watching to make sure your children are okay, all right? Uh, but more importantly, you are there to also absorb and to pray for the children. But the most important, when the children need to go to the toilet, uh, you la, uh, uh, thank you for being there for us. Uh. You, you lead them to the toilet, all right? So that they can enjoy the presence of God in this sanctuary. Are we not excited for the children's rally? Come on. Come on. I'm so excited. I am so excited because I tell you, we sow the seed now. 
we will see the harvest in seven, eight years. They will be the next young adults. But not just the children. We've got one more event. Uh, uh, in 2024, we have the supernatural. The supernatural conference. You see, we're going to, we're going to bless the children and the parents and older, but we also never forget the youth, the campus, and the young adults. The youth, the campus and the young adults. And we're going to move in the supernatural in 2024. We're going to move that way. And I tell you what, because we talk about one body, one spirit, one hope, it is not just the English section that would move in the supernatural. Would the BM will join us. The Chinese service will join us. Church plant will join us. We will be one body in this supernatural conference. And I tell you why we call it supernatural. Very important why we call it supernatural. This is not just a, a, another word, a fancy word that we, we, we concord. It's not. It is because... We as a church, as a leadership of the church, we know that event space out there can always host a cooler concert than us, all right? We don't have $15 million to dump into a stadium so that we can have the fancy lights every week and the, and the big band and everything and the whole space and the aircon. We, 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 we're not going to compete with them. Again, I said, we don't fight fire with fire. We don't fight the trends and the coolness of the world by being trendy and cool ourselves. That is not how we fight the ways of the world. We can't compete with the event spaces out there. If I tell you, Michael Blueblay were to come into town, Pastor Lindy would be the first person, and <laughs> I had to say it, I know. <laughs> and her generation, I tell you, if Billie Eilish comes to town and Blackpink comes to town, the younger generation will be flocking to it. I know, we, we, but I tell you what, I tell you why the church is different from all the concerts they can hold. I tell you why the church is different from FIFA World Cup finals. I tell you why we're different. They can hold the most expensive, the most glamorous, the most lights, the most music, the best concert in the entire world. But they will never have what the church have. The manifold wisdom of the Lord God Almighty and the supernatural presence of our God. They will never have. Never ever. Because that belongs to the church that belongs to the body of Christ. That's why we call it supernatural. Because we as a church, we can move with the Holy Spirit. We can prophesy over you. We can speak words of knowledge over you. We can pray for healing and you will be healed. We can restore families. We can go into your homes and bless your home, cleanse your homes. Can the world give that? Can money buy that? Can No, money can't buy the supernatural. That's why we call it supernatural, because we want our next gen to experience the supernatural, that our God is different from a Blackpink concert. We are better. <laughs> Amen? Our God is more powerful than any concert they can have out there. We got it. We have got the eternal, not the temporal. Amen, church? Amen? And that's why this verse is so important, to live a life that is worthy of our calling. You see, all of us here, we have that calling. But the question is, are you living a life that is worthy of that calling? The good news is, we don't have to strive to be worthy. The Lord God has imputed His righteousness and His worth upon us, that we can live this life worthy of His calling. When God says, I put my Holy Spirit into you so that you can prophesy into the next gen, don't say no. Don't be afraid. Say, yes, Lord, your servant is here. Be it unto me according to your will. I will submit to the Lord Most High. I want to live a life that is worthy of my calling.
It is not just me now. It is not my children's generation now, but it is one church. We're not going to do it as two or three. We're not going to be splintered into five, but we're going to do it as one church, one congregation, one body, one spirit. We have one hope. We have one faith. We serve one God. We serve one Father. Amen, church? We are one. Are we two? Are we three? We are one. Amen. And with that, I very excitedly, very excitedly want to promote the April Young Adults and Campus Camp. Play the video. Yeah, thank you. So good. Thank you, young adults. Thank you so much. Uh, really love all of you. The camp is open. Registration is open. This will be the first pin that would drop in the, in the visions and the strategies that we have in SIBKL. We want to host a young adult camp. We have not done it in four years, but this is not just a young adult camp. We're also opening it to campus to join us as well. So it's 18 and above. Registration is open, so you can take a picture of this. Please invite your sons, invite your daughters, invite your friends. We want to bless. There's only very limited place, okay, in this hotel. Very, very limited place. So open up, and I really want to thank uh, uh, CS is here today. He designed this poster. Thank you so much, CS. Um, and Natalie designed the video. So I want to thank the young adults. You know, they put all this together. It was, it's not me. I'm not that creative. They are, the one, they are the creative one, not me. But they put all this together. But I tell you what, at the camp itself, we want to pray that the young adults know to whom they belong, their identity in Jesus. You know, I want to thank the church as well because it's, it's very heavily subsidized by our Father in heaven. So I thank you so much for the church. So whatever the price is, Please invite registration. It's already open. It is on the 20th, 9th of April to the 1st of May. And it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, awesome camp. I want to end with this quote. And the quote says that we give our all to the one who gave it all. That's why we do church. He gave it all for us. Not for us to submit to a microbial virus. That is not to whom we submit to. But we submit to the one who gave it all for us. All. And that's why we give our all to him. Because he deserves our all. He deserves our praise and our worship. You know, I was just, how do I close this sermon? I was praying for quite a while. How do I close this sermon? And then God showed me this story. You see, this is a, this is a very precious medal to me that I now confiscate from my son. <laughs> My, fun's, my son's first medal that he won, my firstborn son, four years old. See, last year, um, he had a sports day 
because MCO you kind of sports day, right? So they had a sports day. God bless the school. Love the school so much. Um, so he participated and he got a medal. So before I continue my story, I must say that um, I'm, I'm okay with rankings, all right? This is nothing to do against gold, silver, bronze. It's nothing to do against first, second, or third place. It is nothing. It's just, it's just an illustration that I want to use. And I want to thank the school so much for looking after like a hundred kids. May the Lord be with you. Thank you so much. My kids, my, my son really loves you. But you see, something you need to know about my son is in the MCO, something that I've noticed for about six to eight months is that every time we go out, um, when we come back home at four, we come out of our lift. Our firstborn son will come out first and he will run to our house. Our house is that way, our condo is that way. So he'll run to a door and then when he reaches the door first, he would always say to me and to his brother, uh, 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 I'm first. I got there first. I got there first. I, well, in the beginning, I think both of our, both of us, we would. Uh, it's a fun thing. It's a kids thing. So you always get there first, uh, to the point where he would always beat his brother because that's the only other contact he has in the MCO, right? He will always because his brother is two years younger than him. Not as developed. He can't run as fast as him. Can't jump as fast as him, right? Of course, he would beat his brother. So the brother, being the brother, who grew up a little bit more, started to get a little smarter. He knows he can never outrun the bigger brother. You can never outrun. So what does he do? He comes out of the lift. The younger one would grab the older one. He would grab him by the collar, grab him, and then he would just annoy him and he would just grab him and push him down and try to pull him down. And Jet, after like 30 seconds, he'd be so annoyed with the younger one. He'd be like, Daddy, get him off me. He's disturbing me. Get him off me. And the moment Jet is annoyed, the younger one will look at him and then start run off, run to the door. He reached the door and then he would say, Mac Macbeth, Mac Macbeth. And then the brother will be even more annoyed. No, no, you, yeah, you can't be, you know, you tricked me. Wow, that's, that's, uh, welcome to my parenthood life. Um, that went on for six months. Then he had his sports day. So in his sports day, there was four houses, like every high school had four houses, I think, uh, whatever the colors may be. So he came back home and this is fourth place. This is, I don't, this is colorful fourth place, all right? He came, he, fourth place, we were both there. He came back home and for four days, every morning and every evening, he would never let this medal out of his sight. He would always hold it. It's precious to him. He would never let it out of his sight. He, every morning, he would come out to me and say, Daddy, I got a medal. Daddy, I got a medal. I said, good job, son. Then every night before he sleep, Daddy, where's my medal? Give me my medal. I put it there. All right, you go to sleep, wake up. You will be there. Nobody's going to touch it. Oh, good job, son. Every day, four days. So to, to me and to her, it's like, hey, you know, it's kids. This is the first medal. He's excited. We, don't, we didn't understand the implication. Then on the fifth morning, I remember it was a Friday morning. I woke up. I was with him. And I, I'm not a morning person. So it has to be the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not me. So I sat down with him and then Jed came up to me and says, Daddy, I got a medal. As usual, I would say, good job, son. Well done. Then he says, Daddy, I'm sorry I didn't get number one. So I looked at him. Are you sorry? See, Kim and I, we never, we never place an expectation on our son to be number one in anything. So it shocked me. It woke me up. I said, what do you mean? Daddy, I'm sorry I didn't get number one. Then, it, then I remember, oh, is that why you've been holding on to this medal? And then he went on to say, Daddy, why didn't I get number one? Why? What number am I? Of course, Kim and I, we both know he was number four. We both also know why he didn't get number one. He didn't do too well, let's put it that way, okay? We're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not gonna post on our son when, you know, he didn't do too well, let's put it that way, you know? It's not the best in sports. All right, so you get number one. So, but at that moment, it's not me. The moment I, I, I stood down, I bent down, I looked at him, I took his medal. I said, son, 
it does not matter to daddy whether you are number one or number four. Daddy always love you. And no matter what, your daddy will always love you. Always. You would always be my son. Nothing in this world would ever change that. Nothing would change the fact that you are my son. You can run away to the farthest end of this earth. You could even fly to Mars one day, but it will still not change the fact that you are my biological son and I will love you no matter what. Daddy is always going to be proud of you. And then he looked at me and says, but Daddy, you told me proud is a bad thing. <laughs> and then I says, oh yes, that's true. I was going to give him a, a lecture on the English language and give him the different definitions of the word proud. You know, <laughs> I did it, of course. Um, in that moment, I said, oh, that's true. Proud is not a good word. We should not be proud. But let me paraphrase. Daddy will always be happy with you, always. And it doesn't matter to me if you are number one or number four. It doesn't matter to me if you're good in your school or not good in your school. It doesn't matter to me if you are number one in sports or not number one in sports. It only matters to me that you know that your father will always be happy for you. But I tell you why your father is happy and love you, because you are my son. Where I'm happy and love you because of who you are, not what you've done. And that is why Daddy would always love you, always, always. And he kept very quiet. And I thought, okay, the moment has passed. But the breakthrough that I noticed came a few days and a few weeks after. You see, from that moment on, he never picked up this medal ever again which is why I've confiscated it because it's no longer his, it's not mine. He never picked it up. I don't think he even knows where it is. You see, he never let this medal define him ever again. From that day onwards, you know what I noticed? When we get out the lift, he never runs for the door and claims to be number one ever again. Because I think in his spirit as a four-year-old, he understood that he didn't need to earn my love. He didn't need to be number one for me to be proud of him. He just needed to be my son. And I think something in, it sh in him shifted because he understand his worth in, his, in this family as a son of his father and his mother. Sometimes as us, we don't understand our identity in the Lord, our God, our Father. And I think the Father in heaven is saying to all of us now, that your worth in Him is because you are His son and you are His daughter. It's not because of what you have done. It is not because of how number one you can be. It is not how rich you are, not how poor you are. It is not whether you're male or you're female. It is not whether you have accomplished the highest position in the world or you are nothing to this world. It is not how fashionable you can dress or not. It is nothing in this world you can do to earn your father's love. You only need to understand your identity and your worth in the Lord God our Father. And He's saying to you today that He loves you and He's proud of you because you are His son and you are His daughter. Nothing can change that. You can go to the farthest end of this world. You can even fly to Mars. Nothing will change 
that you are his son and his daughter and that is what it means to know your identity in Jesus Christ rooted and established in the love of God a love that surpasses all knowledge to be filled to the measure of the fullness of who God is in our lives that is your worth so we can we can now forever drop our medals drop the social media influence drop chasing our careers till till we have no time for anything else drop chasing the another dollar another dollar another dollar drop chasing the number one because I guarantee you there will always be another number one you will never be the only number one in this life but then you chase the one thing that matters the one thing that we chase our God our Father in heaven and we know our worth and we are so secure in him that nothing will move us nothing in this world will ever move us so I close my sermon with this there is only one thing and one frontier that is the most important frontiers out of all the frontiers we're saying that is the frontier of me I am that frontier because we have to make that decision to allow Jesus to work in us and make that decision to own these frontiers for ourselves because if you say no to Jesus then nothing in this world Pastor Chiu, Pastor Lichu and myself we can preach every week till the cows come home when you say no God cannot work but when we say yes God I will respond to this frontier yes God I will respond to you yes God I will own my spiritual frontier I will own the digital frontier I will own the generation's frontier I will own it and make it mine and if you want to own it I want to invite you to stand as an act of ownership before the Lord Jesus Christ to says God I own this frontier my son's frontier I own it the spiritual frontier I own it my spirituality is my responsibility there is an urgency to my spirituality I will give it all to the one who gave it all thank you Jesus I want to take a little moment before we sing the chorus of this song because I want to pray for you thank you God thank you Lord Jesus Christ I pray that all of us here will always understand our worth in our Heavenly Father our worth in Him is by the sheer fact and the only fact that He birthed us into being He created us in our mother's womb He knew my name even in my mother's womb He knew my destiny and wrote my name in the book of life even before I was born and that is the only credential I need Lord Jesus to be worthy of your love to be worthy and to understand my worth in your kingdom Father God I am called I am blessed I am favored I am chosen I am called by the Most High. I'm chosen by the Most High. I'm healed by the Most High. I'm worthy by the Most High. I'm holy because of the Most High. I am chosen and called and I have a destiny and a plan because I am the son and the daughter of the Most High. And no one can take that away from me. No one, no scheme of man, 
no height, no depth, nothing in all creation, no angels, no demon can ever separate me from the love of my Father because I know to whom I belong and I know to whom lives in me and called me to His own. We thank you, Jesus. And the angels cry, holy, holy, holy. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you, Father God, for your goodness and your mercy. Oh, what amazing grace, what amazing love it is that you chose me, you called me. What an amazing grace, amazing love that you are. What a full God, holy God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, for everything that you are. So I pray right now for my brothers and sisters and for myself that in 2023, we will not let anything shake us. No wind, no waves, no hell, no high water, no mountains high or valley low will shake us because we know to whom we belong, our God in heaven. So we thank you, God, and we give you that praise, that glory, that honor, and praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we all say, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, church. God bless you. God bless you so much. Have a great Chinese New Year. Have a great holiday. God bless you. If you're new with us, come and say hello to us at the Connect Counter. We would love to get to know you and pray for you. God bless you. See you.